despite being a heavily regulated industry, the barriers to contributing to open source are shrinking every year. There's a reason that open source projects are industry standard in so many different ways. They're cheaper to maintain, they're more robust, they have more experts working on them across many different companies. And, you know, I believe that being part of open source and contributing to open source is table stakes for a modern technology company. That is the direction the world's moving in. And, you know, you see this in a million different kinds of financial institutions. You could be a bank, you could be a service provider, like open source is is powering large parts of what you do. And if it's not, uh, I guarantee it's going too soon. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold of Finos. Hope you're doing well. Today I sit down with Jonathan Gottfried of Major League Hacking, and we discuss open source and finance, of course, but also we talk about how hackathons can help on the talent angle, both on the developer side and also on the hiring manager side. We also talked about how John went from a history major to somebody that actually started and runs a company that does all of this. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the talk with Jonathan. John, say hi. Hey, how's it going, Grizz? Good. It's good to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you for at least a week now. (laughs) (laughs) Just about, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And... uh, yeah, I got to see John Breit and his team briefly in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina at All Things Open, and I will see uh, him and his team. Are you going to be there in New York next week? I will be there next week. I'm really excited. All right. Second that sounds year. good. Good, good, good. Um, so, John, unlike many of the other guests that I've had on, uh, he works for a different type of company. It's not a bank. And it's not even necessarily a tech vendor. I wouldn't call you a tech vendor. Um, John, do you want to explain Major League Hacking? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Major League Hacking. Uh, We are what what I call a community company. Um, We've been around for about 10 years building the largest community of early career developers in the world. Uh, and helping them bridge the gap from, you know, what you learn in the classroom, which tends to be really theoretical, uh, to the actual practical skills someone needs to, um, you know, be a functional engineer and and make an impact in the industry. Uh, The main way we do that is through in-person events like hackathons, uh, meetups, you know, workshops, uh, all sorts of on-campus programming. uh, And that has really allowed us to work with a lot of really interesting partners and a lot of really interesting students to, uh, you know, train the next generation of developers. Uh, And and what we did together actually was put on a hackathon for uh, Finos members and, and, you know, a lot of developers and financial services and fintech, which was super cool. Uh, And we can talk more about that, but, um, you know, hackathons uh, all over the place is really the summary. Very cool. Um, so before we get into hackathons, before we get into why you'd want to do a hackathon in financial services, which seems like a very odd thing um, on the surface, um, let's talk about John. Um, so you're a co-founder, but, you know, what, <laughs> how did you get here? How did, how did, you know, what, what makes you think like, hey, 
here's a different talent and i'm going to assume it's a talent angle right um at least on part of it but um you know uh you and your partners how how did you get to this point i kind of had a zigzaggy path into tech uh-huh. uh, like like a lot of people uh i have a history degree uh, I, you know, took a couple of computer science classes. I don't remember anything about history for the record. But, um, you know, I took some CS classes and found them uh, very academic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had always been the kind of person tinkering with code, putting stuff together, having fun with it. But I wasn't particularly interested in the the theory behind it, which maybe is a gap in my knowledge, but that's kind of what I gravitated towards. Uh, and you know, the thing that really kind of like pulled me into tech when I was studying history and reading a bunch of books all the time was the community aspect. Yeah. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine started dragging me to all of these like little kind of like weird tech events in New York City, maybe 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And it opened my eyes because I was surrounded by all of these people who, you know, maybe their job title was software engineer, but there was such a variety of backgrounds and interests and skills and all these different interesting kind of like takes on technology. Um, And I found that incredibly like inspiring and really cool. Uh, And, you know, through kind of a series of events that led me to investing a lot of my own time in building tech communities and really gathering people around all these cool technical subjects. Uh, And a big part of that was working with students and working with young people. And, you know, obviously a lot happened in between, but like it was a very organic path from I love this for myself. I want to give back by organizing my own events to, you know, let's create an organization that does this full time for uh, aspiring developers. Nice. So you're saying that for all those history majors out there, there's a path. There's a path. <laughs> I mean, the the options are, you know, you become a high school history teacher, you become a professor or mm-hmm. you become a developer. Right. Uh, yeah. All noble professions. Uh, <laughs> all right. So. Um, so you start this company and let's kind of maybe go into um, I'd like to hit a couple of different things. And, and I know that you've worked um, some with financial services corporations outside of some of the work that we've done, too. Um, so listen, if let's let's look at the two different sides of it. If I'm a developer, if I'm, you know, I, I'm a software engineer and um um, or if I'm trying to get into that field, maybe, um, and, you know, and I can pinpoint that there are higher salaries at banks necessarily for, for software engineers. Um, one, how, how do I go about, you know, getting my resume to a point to where it makes sense? And then, you know, can you build in some of the things that you folks are working with um, that might be helpful you know, on the just on the developer, the talent side. So there's kind of two pieces to what you're asking here, right? Yep. There's uh, how do I as a developer, you know, build my resume and skills to a point where I'm hireable in, yep. you know, uh, uh, a cool industry, right? Like an industry that's solving complex problems like finance. Um, and then there's the other side of it, which is like, if I'm hiring developers, you know, how do I actually build a program that does that effectively? Yeah. Um, yeah. So from the developer, like individual side, um, 
you have to like remember what it was like a little bit to like be a new grad mm. uh or even to hire new grads if people are familiar with that process um you know when people go through a computer science program uh and they are putting together their resume they put their gpa they put what school they went to maybe they're lucky enough to have had an internship somewhere um but really all of these resumes look pretty similar Mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot of differentiation because people haven't been in the industry for that long and haven't had a lot of time to differentiate themselves. And so a lot of what our programs do is create like a dedicated time and space for people to build projects outside of class in an area that they're specifically interested in that allows them to show off something unique about their skills or, or interests, right? So hackathons are a really good vehicle for that. Because you spend a weekend and you come out the other end with a novel new project that you can talk about to a recruiter, for example, mm -hmm. um, not to mention the actual like learning process of building that thing and creating something that was purely an idea uh, and turning it into a functional implementation. Right. Yeah. So like you learn a lot, but you also have something concrete to talk about uh, that you built. Um and that's really powerful, right? It means that when you get on the phone with like an engineering manager, you're not just saying like, I did these classes and I got good grades. You're saying, hey, like I built something like using these bleeding edge, like industry tools, you know, like I'm using PyTorch or I'm using React or whatever it is that you gravitate towards. You have something that they can relate to and talk about in some level of technical depth. And that's mm -hmm. really powerful. Um, now, from the hiring manager side, it's a little bit different. Um, obviously, you're looking for talented people who uh, you know are qualified. Right. But um, what we find is that a lot of uh, you know financial institutions are um, trying to hire the same kind of talent as Google and Meta, right? Mm -hmm. They want that same caliber of talent. And in many ways, the problems they're solving are just as complex and interesting. But there's a branding problem. Right. You know, when you come out yeah. of school, people have these like consumer tech brands like the Googles of the world. And so, you know, like 90 percent of the students are applying to go work for Google. <laughs> right. uh, you know, if you're a financial institution, you may not get those same people uh, applying because they don't understand what it is that you work on. There, mm -hmm. There's an understanding and awareness gap there. And so a lot of the work that we've done with with different partners, like we work with Capital One and Fidelity and RBC, who I think may all be Finos members, all members. Yep. Um, like all three of them, uh, you know, there's different programs that we run with them. But, you know, we're helping them kind of like build some level of awareness of the technical problems that they're working on, the culture at the company, and helping to get a lot of those people who are, you know, qualified to go work for the, the fangs of the world mm -hmm. to apply for these jobs that they may not have had on their radar yet. Um, and so that's like uh, a real concrete problem that we've been able to help, you know, a lot of these companies solve just by like integrating them into these communities where developers already live and spend their time. Right. So, so, so part of that is, I, th I think you see actually it's like three different pieces of this. So you've got the developer side, you've also got the hiring manager side and, and maybe, you know, I, you know I, I don't know if there's like, you know, the intern area of like you do a hackathon in order to figure out who your interns will be that eventually be your stars. Um, you know, I could see that, but also like, you know, there's a huge problem at any tech company, at any bank company, at any company, really, especially now 
um, which is the retention side as well. So, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm going to give a testimonial. Um, you know, when we did this hackathon back in May, um, in-person hackathon, we were at, um, BMO and I, uh, it was like, I'm going to get the numbers wrong. So we can look back at, you know, a blog post that we did on it, but I feel like at one point I counted, you know, over 70 or 99 people or something like that in the room and they're all having a good time, you know, and, and I'm not going to say that, you know, this, I would get in trouble for this probably, but I'm not going to say like, you know, the financial services developer is not like a fun person. They are. And it's like some of the people I met too were hilarious. In fact, I, I've, I'm excited to actually see some of these people, you know, next week when I go back to um, New York. But, um, but they were having a good time. Like they were doing the thing that they're good at. They're having a good time. And then, you know, like on the, for us as a foundation, the goodwill that I feel like was created was immense for the organizations that let Let's get you saw the air quotes, um, you know, that let their their engineers and, and their developers work in this like that's got to be something big for, you know, the retention side as far as like you're giving me. Yes, you're giving me something that, you know, is a resume builder. Right. Like you said before, um, because there's something that's usually produced out of a hackathon. But at the same time, like, you know, you're actually given me the ability to like really really you know push um which is i feel a, a lot of the developers that i've known over the years like that's something that is you know innate in them um and so anyway i feel from retention side like you know you can speak to that too after i'm <laughs> done talking yeah. no i completely agree i think that you know i i don't think there is any correlation of like you know, if you are a developer at a financial company that you're less interesting. I think that the reality is that like when you are a full-time software engineer, you uh, your day-to-day -day becomes, you know, very um, consistent for lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Like you're planning roadmaps really <laughs> in advance. You're coming in, you're making commits, you're reviewing code, but it's not like you're doing, it's not like every day is this like really kind of novel creative exercise mm -hmm. you know like some sometimes you just got to refactor some code and it's not that fun um and i think that's just what life is like for a lot of software engineers mm -hmm. um the magical thing about hackathons and probably why you saw like you know people cracking jokes and like having a good time is that it is a dedicated time and space that is like designed to be different from the day-to-day yeah. Right. It's designed to give people a creative outlet. It's designed to create collaboration with people they may have never worked with before. And it's really designed to like tackle problems that they have sort of identified and scoped out on their own. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to talk about this. Like you could say it's leading to innovation. You could say it's like, you know, unlocking creative potential, like whatever buzzword we want to come up with. But like the truth of the matter is it's just, uh, it's fun and it is creative and it allows people to sort of dig in on technologies or problems or solutions that 
are not uh, a core priority on a day-to-day basis, but might be existentially important to the things they're working on. Um, And so I I think they're incredibly powerful, like from a retention perspective. I think they're really powerful from the perspective of building team culture. Mm -hmm. I, I think that oftentimes they do lead to like the seeds of some innovative new idea because you know, obviously the thing you write in 24 hours is not going to be production ready, but if it's a good enough proof of concept, it can get you a a pretty uh, good way, you know, towards that end. Yeah. And, and I think too, like, um, this is a little bit sidelined to that, but, uh, you know, my my son just started in his freshman year in computer science um, and he wants to go into cybersecurity, but, you know, starting at, a kind of a base level and something he told me about uh his one of his cs classes was um like you know how are your grades <laughs> those are something that a, a parent asks um but uh and he's like you know in the cs class like my grades are great because first of all i was very proud of him he actually goes to like um you know all the extra stuff afterwards and and i think he's one of the only people that goes so that's good so um but second which I found was interesting, which is not on the hackathon side, but I feel like that maybe this comes from the idea of what happens in the hackathon is he says that all of his assignments, it's like the professor only cares that the thing works, does not care how you got there at all, only cares that it works and does, you know, whatever, you know, here, here's your problem statement, here's your goal. And as long as it fulfills the goal, does not care how you got there. Um, I'm assuming that, you know, keep it in a particular language and and things like that. But uh, which, you know, I see is something that, you know, let's say you had a hackathon that was on, you know, solving quote unquote one issue um, and not a whole bunch of um, use cases. And it was just one use case. Like, how do you how do you solve that one problem? You could, you know, at a hackathon, you could have, you know, 100 different ways of doing it. Right. Yeah. And and you see that too. Like um, everyone has their own way of approaching a problem and it is almost never what you expect. Yeah. You know, like I, I've been to so many hackathons at this point and I, I, I honestly find it impossible to predict the outcomes because people just have like wild off the wall approaches to things. And mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. You know, that's part of the fun of it is that you get this like, really kind of creative open-ended um you know technical output right right Um, yeah it'd be be good if cs classes were a little bit more like hackathons (laughs) um i i think that uh uh, many cs students would probably be in agreement with you um but but listen you know when i was a cs student oh a long long time ago um for that brief amount of time um uh you're, you're right. I, I mean, like when you were talking about some of the classes that you took that you feel like you kind of skip the theory, like I'm sure that there's reason for the theory. And I'm sure that, you know, like the, if you maybe if you're going to go into something that's really, really deep, then you really need to know the theory. But, you know, listen, sometimes just coming up with an application, you know, again, figuring out a, a solution to a problem like that's not based in theory folks that's based in that you know that's what people do every single day and so you know yeah i i think that if you had a little bit more of that hackathon um you know thinking and and listen you know 
I don't I don't know what's next for him or his classes or anything. And I'd like to see like, you know, what is like 102 or, you know, and do they change things up? Um, you know, how do they actually teach? Um, so, uh, you know, and and I, and I have a friend um, who is uh, he's actually speaking at the event that his daughter uh, goes to the same school my son goes to um, and uh, uh I think he's on the board at this particular university. So, uh, so I may say something to him while we're there. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, um, it's tough. Like I, I think, you know, uh, curriculum often lags quite a bit and, you know, there are a lot of really good professors, but it's difficult to use modern technology to teach really foundational concepts a lot of the time. And, you know, it's yeah. kind of a balancing act of like theory practice <laughs> and how do you balance the two? could you do it without the formal education i mean I mean, a lot of people do right like, yeah right. Um, boot camps are are certainly much more geared towards uh practical experience and less towards theory mm-hmm. i find that um boot camp students and cs grads actually have a lot of similar uh gaps in their knowledge interestingly enough um neither one has enough experience like uh really tackling abstract problems and implementing them okay uh, you know they're both coming at it from different perspectives but like that is one of the biggest gaps i see is like people go off into industry and suddenly they're tasked with like take this idea and come up with an implementation that is you know logical and optimized and scales and all of these things um and neither one of them have ever had to do that before. Hmm. That's interesting. Maybe there's a new product for you. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you know, certainly we focus a lot of our time on creating programs to help people like build that particular skill set and then connecting them on the other end to companies that, you know, value that. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, totally fair. Um, by the way, you may hear the dog in the background. I apologize. Um, I'm sure if you saw him, you'd think he's so anyway, no, he's loud. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, if we're looking at, um, you know, next, next year for Finos, um, you know, getting into, you know, some of what you've seen this year and, and, you know, you've had a couple of, uh, folks, you know, join us at the member meeting in June, um and you know have, have met some of the members obviously work with some of the members um i'm planning my marketing uh now actually as we speak on this uh particular interview so how how do you think that you know so and, and we didn't really even touch on the open source side of things but um i was just uh, thinking that <laughs> yeah but but you know like so we can bring that in but you know looking at you know, this is an open source community, but it is a community of of banks and vendors. Um, and, you know, in an ideal setting, um, you know, what are the things that you think that you would do um, in order to help push this community, you know, further? You, you know, using some of the tools that, you know, um, I, I don't know if I have the budget for everything, but no, okay. Um, but if, you know, how how do you think that that you could use some of the things that you folks do some of the things that you could bring from outside to 
in order to we want to accelerate this community and we want to you know we did see obviously we we see the accelerations in the community come from around osff because um a lot of the projects you know want to present at osff and show what they've done mm -hmm. so we you know that's almost like a hackathon kind of in itself that it's you know you have you have a deadline um and a presentation happens at a hackathon um you know we saw that from the two hackathons that we did this year that you know like one produced um you know one that was online actually produced a a project that's going to be um you know uh actually discover um you know took something they did they've open sourced it they just released it into our community um and it's accessibility theme builder so it, you know like we're seeing that now from theory to to application um and then we're also seeing that there were a couple of um you know we have on keynote stage um uh one of the i think it's trader x um trader x you know was kind of built through this past um hackathon uh, the one that we did in person and now, you know, a managing director from Morgan Stanley um, is going to be on stage showing like, you know, here's where we started. Here's what we were able to, you know, flip through on the hackathon. And so we've seen this in practice, you know, really, um, you know, a couple of different places really accelerate the community and start to, you know, ramp forward. You know, how do you guys see it? as being kind of outside of the community in a way. Um, yeah. So um, there, there's kind of two parts of it, like open source. I'll start there. Yeah. Uh, we believe that contributing to open source is one of the most accessible ways for a new developer to get experience working on a production level code base that experienced engineers have designed. Yeah. Um, not only that, but it gives them a public artifact of their work quality that they can point back to. And it becomes part of a, a really public portfolio because normally when you have a job, you can't actually show anyone the code you wrote, but an open source. Right. You can. And right. so it's really important from that perspective, like super powerful learning experience, great portfolio piece. Um, and, you know, we run programs for a, a bunch of different financial services companies where they sponsor developers to contribute to projects that they deem strategically important yeah. um and so it's this really cool dual purpose you know train someone up give back to an important project and then hopefully hire the person at the end while where right. they already have familiarity so that works really well as just like a model um the uh you know piece of it for for finos members and for you know open source and finance forum I think that, you know, despite being a heavily regulated industry, the barriers to contributing to open source are shrinking every year. And it is a way to um, sort of like influence the standards of the industry, but also leverage the expertise of a lot of different organizations to have best in class technology that you don't have to build in house. You know, um, th there's a reason that open source projects are industry standard in so many different ways. They're cheaper to maintain. They're more robust. They have more experts working on them across many different companies. And, you know, I believe that being part of open source and contributing to open source 
is table stakes for a modern technology company. And, you know, if you're not quite there yet, like it needs to be part of the strategic plan because it is, um, it is a differentiator from a technical standpoint and from uh, uh, a code quality standpoint. And, and I think that that is the direction the world's moving in. And, you know, you see this in a million different kinds of financial institutions. You could be a bank, you could be a service provider, like open source is, is powering large parts of what you do. And if it's not, uh, I guarantee it's going too soon. Yeah. Very correct. in all of that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I kind of feel like you had to walk off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, how can people get in touch with you? So uh, feel free to find us uh, at sponsor.mlh.io or you can email me. I'm john at mlh.io with whatever spelling you come up with. Um, I'll also be at the uh, Open Source and Finance Forum uh, in New York. Uh, on November 1st. So I'm really excited to meeting a lot, meet a lot of folks in person. Yeah, sounds good. Well, uh, looking forward to seeing you there in, whew, now it's less than a week. Awesome. <laughs> um, um, thanks, John, for for joining us. And also thank you, um, you and the MLH folks. Uh, you did an incredible job this year and, and um, happy to work with you and and uh, looking forward to not only uh, this conference um, and having you guys there, but also uh seeing what we can do next year yeah feeling is very mutual thanks for uh, having me cool thank you um and so like john said which i, I no prompting at all um join us uh, november 1st uh new york city for the open source and finance forum um john will be there i'll be there a whole bunch of people will be there we are um uh if the Registration trend continues the way that it has been. Even in this last week, we're probably going to have to stop registration. Wow. Yay. Um, so <laughs> That's a good problem to have. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so make sure you register, folks, because uh, tickets are going fast. All right. Uh, so with that, I'm going to say good day, good night, wherever you are. Mm-hmm.